You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Hey everybody, it is Wednesday evening. Time for American Winer on podcastdetroit.com. My name is Alex. How are you doing? My guest tonight, joining me all the way from Chelsea, making the treacherous drive from 94 <laughs> to 275, uh, Aaron Finer and Christina Pinciotti. Did yes, I get that right? Correct. All right, great. Uh, you are two young aspiring actresses from the local Michigan theater scene. Thanks for being here. Thanks thank for having us. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, we're going to start off. Um, I want to do this interview a little bit different because there's two of you, and uh, I want to get you both in. Um, so uh, we're going to start off. We'll start off with Aaron, and uh, I just want you just just. I'm going to ask you both the same question, and then we'll go one and then the other, okay. and then we'll, we'll swap. So the first question is uh, – it's not really a question. It's just tell, tell us about yourself. Where did you grow up? Where are you from? And uh, you know, tell us about your, your, your life basically. Yeah. So uh, we'll start with Aaron. Go for it. Yeah. I was born in Hackestown, New Jersey. And then when I was 10, I moved to Imlay City, Michigan. I eventually went to Grand Valley State University, and that's when my parents moved to Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina. And I spent some time down there as well and then moved back up to Chelsea for the apprenticeship at the Purple Rose Theater Company. Okay. So you were born in Jersey. I was. And you lived there until you were 10. Correct. So you're basically from Jersey then. Yeah. And where – what was it again? Hackettstown. Where – Hackettstown. Yeah. It's um, it's actually technically 34 miles from Morristown, New Jersey, which is where the actor uh, Peter Dinklage is from. Oh, oh Tyrion. Yeah. 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 He seems like a nice fellow. I, I hope he is. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then, so you've done quite a bit of moving around then. So how did you end up like back in Chelsea? Was it specifically for the, the, uh, the Purple Rose, which we will talk about later? Yeah, it was. Um, I was looking for apprenticeships and internships all along the Eastern coast. And it just so happens that the Purple Rose Theater was the one that I really fell in love with. I had a connection, um, with the, with, a, with a, at the time current apprentice. And, um, he, excuse me, uh, we just like talked about the apprenticeship and I thought it was worth interviewing. And they liked me enough to keep me. So, <laughs> alrighty. Um, so, do you, do you have a day job then? I do. I am a receptionist at Annabelle Salon in in Arbor, Michigan, and I was a server at the Chelsea Ale House as well. But I'll be starting a new project uh, here in a couple of days. A new project? <laughs> yes, I will be helping out backstage as the child wrangler for all my sons. The child wrangler. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that sounds like a job that. You know, you don't want to play around with that title, Not especially really. if you're a guy. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually like a uh, – with Actors' Equity Association, it's kind of like unofficially the title is Child Wrangler. I'm just like acting as a guardian for the uh, for the underage okay. actors. While it's just they're... somebody says Wrangler and I just picture like a cowboy like groping <laughs> children. Pretty much. Know? I mean more more like metaphoric I suppose. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh Tell me about your parents. What uh, what do they do for a living? Yeah, my parents, they're uh, awesome. They're listening right now. Hi, Mom and Dad. Uh, <laughs> they don't even know about that job, so I hope you guys are proud of me. Um, my dad works from home. He works uh, in a company that's based out of Minnesota, just doing like computer technology stuff that I don't really know much about. And my mom has done a lot of different jobs, but she uh, had like a business uh, when I was younger. She would make like drapery and interior design items for different clients. She also taught my dad how to draft back in the day. They met actually at the M&M's factory in Hackettstown, New Jersey. So that was really cool that they met at a candy factory. Yeah, M&M's yeah. too. I was trying to think of a way to work like a tagline in there, you know, melts in your mouth, not in your hand. But I couldn't think of anything quick enough. I was enough, thinking so. every kiss begins with kiss. Hershey's Kiss. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's close enough. That's Hershey. Uh, <laughs> it's Mars, not Hershey. That's Pennsylvania, <laughs> but close enough. <laughs> right. We get mixed up a lot. <laughs> uh, on that note, uh, Tina, why don't you uh, tell us about yourself? Hi, anyone who's listening. Um, I grew up in Toledo, Ohio, which is about an hour from Chelsea. My family lives just outside of Toledo in the country. Um, and I lived there my whole life, um, except until last well, 2017 is when I moved up to Chelsea for the Purple Rose Apprenticeship Program, which is how I met Aaron. And I've been up here since then just working and seeing what happens. Uh, so the opposite of Aaron, basically. You lived in the same spot <laughs> yeah. your whole life yeah. where she moved all over. So yeah. what? What? Uh, tell me about living outside of Toledo then. Well, I mean, it's cool. I've seen Toledo like – kind of be reborn it was kind of dead at 
like when I was growing up, there was really nothing happening or going on. And when I was getting older, I was able to see it kind of become like what's happening with Detroit a little bit, like bars and restaurants and everywhere. Like hipsters. Yeah, right. <laughs> Millennials taking over. Um, but by the ballpark in the in my hometown, there's like just it's revitalized there. So it's been really cool to see that transformation. And I went to the University of Toledo, which isn't in downtown Toledo, but that's where I studied theater. And yeah, it's uh, it's cool. And there, it's a cool little town to visit. I would recommend anyone to take a little day trip down. Did your family disown you for moving to Michigan from Ohio? <laughs> I, I don't think so. They haven't told me. Uh, no, they haven't. No. Um, I think, Are they listening right now? I think so. Hi. <laughs> um, yeah, no, they were really happy because I had just graduated college and was applying to apprenticeships my professor told me about and wasn't really sure. Like, there was no path, really. So, um Luckily, the Purple Rose hired me, and I spent a summer in Toledo working at a kid's camp and um, then just got the job and moved. And I think they're proud of me for finding work. I mean, now nowadays it's like a college degree. What does it really mean? So, right, especially if it's not in like, you know, uh, STEM or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I'm so – no, that's not – never. I hate blood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can't even finish the sentence. Nope. <laughs> Uh, what, what's uh, your day job currently? Do you, if you I, have one? Yeah, I am a I am a barista at Big B in Chelsea. Um, and then what else do I do? Well, now I um I'm a part time understudy at the Rose, which is they're both kind of like my day job. Um, yeah, you are getting paid for yeah, that, right? Yeah. So you're getting paid to act. That's pretty <laughs> yeah, cool, so isn't it? It's really cool. Uh, it's like a dream come true, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what did your parents do? What do they do? My do? dad also works from home. He sells energy contracts. And uh, my mom works at the University of Toledo, I think, in the accounting. She was a grants analyst, but I that was her old job. I forget her new job title. but So she works at the university, and my dad works at home. Okay. Let's talk about acting. Um, we'll start with Tina this time. <laughs> tell, tell us how you got into acting and why did you gravitate towards that particular form of expression? Um, well, I grew up doing dance and I really think that was my way into performing because I started at a really young age, like kindergarten probably. And at that age, there's either like two types of kids, the ones who are living their best life, dancing, singing, and the others who are like crying, want to run off stage. Well, I was the first type of kid. Um, and I, I don't know like why I threw a fit when my mom signed me up for dance because she did it without me knowing. How old were you when you started? I think like kindergarten or something. But I remember throwing a fit in the living room, like screaming, no, no, I'm not going to go. And I went and danced for 12, 13 years or something crazy. So that's how I really think I got into um, performing. And then I went to Catholic school. So we used to do a Christmas play every year. So there was singing and dancing and you know, some kids played camels and I played Mary once. Joseph was like a fourth grader. It was really weird. I was like eighth grade. It was so weird. <laughs> oh, that's a reversal there. Yeah, yeah. he was way shorter than me and it looked like I was wearing a turban. Like. You know why they did that though probably is because what does Joseph do ever in any of those productions? He just yeah. stands there, you know? He's just – Mary's the important one and then Jesus obviously. Yeah, but. it was cool. My first role ever was I played baby Jesus <laughs> as a baby. Oh, man. Yeah. As a baby. Hard shoes to fill for the rest of my life, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Uh, well uh, – that was going to be one of my questions is what was your first role? Oh, um, sorry. No, no, no. That's, that's, that's <laughs> totally fine. Uh, but because uh, uh, I wanted to ask like more about the dancing, uh, mm -hmm. like what kind of dance was it? Um, well, first starting out, it was just ballet and jazz. And then as I got older, I did some like lyrical contemporary hip hop, brief tap just for one play I was in. A um, little bit of everything. That yeah, like. yeah. Do you it, still do it at all? Not no, I don't. Um, I would love to. It's something I miss very much. Um, it's like when I hear music, I'm instantly, you know, just moving around. Like it's so deeply ingrained in my body now that I have an oddly specific question. <laughs> something just occurred to me. What? I met you two through the Purple Rose class mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. last fall, 
And uh, they would have these little exercises where you would dance. And Tina would always do this move where you're like putting your hands on the side of your face <laughs> and things. What, what is that? Is there um, a name for that? And, and I think it's like a form of voguing. Oh, I, voguing. Oh, it's, yeah. I don't think about what I do when I'm dancing. I just kind of do stuff, let my body take over. So like I don't even remember doing that, but – because yeah, you know what you're doing, though, when it comes to dance. Like I was going to say, I did the exact same thing, but I, I, I had no idea what I was doing. So I would just kind of move, you know. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, so uh, Aaron, why don't you uh, take the same question? Uh, yeah. How would you um, get into acting and why acting? I had kind of a similar uh, like upbringing with Tina. I did dance like variations of dance when I was younger. I started in like gymnastics and I was a bunny on stage uh, in a really funny looking costume. Uh, I think I was a lamb also when <laughs> we did that for, when we great. like when I was in church like years and years ago. Uh, but uh, I eventually fell into baton twirling in like middle school and high school, and I did that pretty regularly, and that was a lot of fun. And that like got me more used to being on stage and in front of people. I was like a painfully shy kid, mm-hmm. so that really helped uh, like build my confidence and like uh, I don't know, just opened me up a little bit. And then in high school, um, well, earlier my my older sister Dana, she did. Uh, theater in high school and I saw that and I was like oh that's cool I want to do that too because my sister did it and then I did it myself and I really really liked it but um, I didn't think it was like a really viable career path until I got into college Uh, so I went into college undecided as my major kind of assuming I would go into more like medicine stem careers type that type thing but then I Fell into theater and just couldn't really do anything else. And and where'd you go to college? Grand Valley State University. Grand Valley, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And what was that like? Uh, it was good. It was a good program for where I was at the time. It was like most people will have like a Bachelor of Fine Arts or uh, something more specialized. I had a very uh, broad education. I got to do ev- like everything from like tech to building sets, costumes, acting if I wanted, directing. It was a requirement, but you didn't need to do productions in order to graduate, which is really common in a lot of programs. So anything that I did, I had to do on my own volition, which was really good in preparation for the Prepper Rose because um, I had already proven that I had initiative to do the dirty work myself. I didn't like have to be told to do it or not. So that in that way, I really, really grew from the program. So you both started off as dancers. You both went to college for theater. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, yeah, that makes sense that this is what you're doing now. Or this is what your your aim is, right? Yeah. Um, what was your first role, Erin? Um, my first role, uh, I was in high school, and it was one of those plays that no one had ever heard of called Monsters in the Closet. It was kind of a knockoff of Monsters, Inc. Oh. And I was this character named Mary, a.k.a. Mary Kay, because she was obsessed with makeup, which is pretty true of myself if you know me well. Um, and she was just the character that was kind of ditzy and fell asleep on stage and slept for the entire second act. Oh. So that was – it was a fun role. It yeah, was, that's pretty easy if you yeah. just sleep for the whole second act. <laughs> pretty much. Like I got to have fun the first act, sleep the second act and have the last line at the end. So that was pretty fun. Were you actually like sleeping on stage? No. Or, oh, so <laughs> I was too nervous. Just, oh, okay. <laughs> um, so uh, next question has to do with training and we'll start with Aaron on this. You guys kind of already went into this but um, – uh, just tell us tell us about your uh, you know the the process of of learning about how to act like what were your expectations and how are those expectations you know challenged or met or whatever and and, and then we'll get into the apprenticeship as well so totally uh, at Grand Valley we have the oldest and largest Shakespeare festival in Michigan the Grand Valley Shakespeare Festival so I had a lot of Shakespeare experience and training uh, just in like how to say the words and the like expectations of a Shakespeare show and type and stuff like that. So that was um, more what I was used to in like not contemporary, I guess I'll say. And then once I got to the Purple Rose, um, that sort of broke down the things that I learned at college that maybe they didn't intend on teaching me that were not really helpful to me. And it really got back to the basics of like who you are as a person, like um, just like looking your scene partner in the eye don't worry about your own lines make it about the other person it's like a true like you want to have as much of a connection as you can on stage and just like just so happens that other people are watching you have this connection and it's just a really cool 
different perspective. What was like the biggest difference between like what you learned in college and then once what you learned once you got out into the quote unquote real world with the purple rose and all that? Yeah, in college, um, it kind of encouraged the idea that grad school is a safe next step when really there is no safe next step. Granted, I haven't gone to graduate school, so I don't really know firsthand. But um, I know graduate students or like uh, people who have their MFAs and doctorates who are in a similar position that I am. And it's like there's no guarantee that you're going to be successful. They didn't imply that when teaching me, but that's kind of what I thought over the years. Mm-hmm. You deduced it on your own. Yeah. And it's better to do it and have the potential for failing than mm-hmm. not do it at all. It's, yeah. It's much better to try. Yeah. So. And I learned that the hard way. I did um, when I moved back home after college or back to North Carolina with my parents, I did try more conventional jobs and that being like my main choice. Um, but I got fired from my first ever receptionist job. And I was just like, well, if I'm going to get fired from something that makes me unhappy, I might as well try something that makes me happy. And if I get fired, I'm no worse off. Right. <laughs> Uh, Tina, what do you think about uh, tell me tell me about uh, training and all that and your your time in okay. college and yeah um, well my program at uh, UT University of Toledo was very small there was it's not a school you go to for theater which was both good and bad good because um, I had a lot of chances to do shows like every semester I was able to be in a show which is really great but. I mean, with a small program, it's like you're not going up against 50, 60 people. It's literally like 20, you know. <laughs> um, so it was good because I got a lot of experience, a lot of like one-on-one coaching and stuff. Um, and then it's bad because you go – I mean, I didn't go to New York or L.A., but you go to those auditions and you see these rooms packed with people. So I think maybe it's kind of like a – big scare like to all of a sudden go to that and you aren't prepared for that but i i'm from the midwest and always have been so i'm not at those big cattle calls yet but um we did link later training which is kind of similar to like the warm-ups at the rose i would say the most similar thing for my college education to now is the warm-up process with breath and getting the voice ready um but what's different is i think in college A lot of it was like showy acting, like having to be big. And our theater at UT is very similar to the Rose. It's thrust three sides. It's bigger than the Rose, but um, it's the same concept. And I just felt like a lot of the times I wasn't really in it. Like I remember doing No Exit um, my junior year. And like I'd be saying the lines, but my head was like not there. I wasn't connecting with the people. I was thinking what I was going to eat after, like <laughs> just not in it at all. Um, and I think that's changed a lot to now because the rose is all about being honest, being truthful, connecting with your scene partners and like literally listening and breathing. And I just have learned so much from that. And looking back on it now, there's so much I would do differently about my collegiate performances, I think. What was the biggest difference you noticed between the two, between college and the real world? I think what I was just saying about the difference between, yeah, being real. I mean, I know, like, if you're in a huge proscenium stage, it's like you kind of have to make everything a little bit bigger because the theater's huge and the balcony won't be able to see you. So, yeah, it's hard to say because every theater has their different style. It's just what I'm used to now because we've been steeped in the rose for two years now. So, yeah. And you two are roommates too, I should say. You two yeah, are roommates. Are. Why don't you tell me how that happened real quick? <laughs> so, you do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so I had moved back up to Michigan from North Carolina to Jackson. And the apartment that I had at the time just didn't work out for a number of circumstances. And um, – I was kind of like scrambling, trying to find where am I going to live? I was like technically homeless for a week, like sleeping on the theater couch, which wasn't that bad. It wasn't that scary. Um, But uh, another apprentice uh, could not complete the program. And then Tina was hired on uh, around like the exact week that I uh, like gave up that apartment. And I was like crying because in the meeting where we found this information out and because I figured, like, I'm not going to be able to live here. But then 
uh, Michelle Mountain, the apprentice chief, she looked at me after the uh, meeting and said, I have a roommate for you. I'll give you her contact information. You're going to be okay. Very Michelle Mountain-esque. <laughs> and um, I texted Tina like, hey, I have a cat. Are you okay with cats? She was like, yep. Uh, and we just like totally meshed like clockwork ever since. It's seriously like if if there's a higher power controlling our lives, like all that stuff fell into place mm-hmm. way too perfectly yeah. than I could have ever planned or Aaron. Yeah. So it was like when I knew I got the job, I knew I had a place to live. I knew I had a roommate. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about that. So it was really, really cool to see how it all fell together, really. Yeah. Tell me about the apprenticeship. <laughs> it, it's been so great. But I think, I mean, I'm only 23, but it had to be the hardest, like, work year of my life. Um, I had a similar internship at Hope Summer Repertory Theater in Holland, Michigan, where you rotated through all this facets of theater costumes light sound everything um so it was like basically the apprenticeship was that summer but stretched out over a year and like ah i don't know how to explain it it was very similar but um it was it was a great experience i met so many great people like aaron all the other apprentices the staff the actors um you're literally in the room Watching a world premiere play be born. I mean, granted, the writing process was born before that, but. But still going on when you're in rehearsals. Right. Yeah. Things are being rewritten, um, even like up to the previews. It's exciting. You're always on. You're tired at the end of the day, but you feel like you really helped out. And I think that's what I miss most the year out of the apprenticeship is like being in the room because that. I mean, I'm at a coffee shop just making lattes. It's not – you can't really compare the two. Right. Um, but the training, we get to do workshops, like acting workshops, which is really fun because I think a lot of um, our classmates were really interested in the acting portion. Like sometimes there are some really like lighting designer apprentices or sound designer, but a lot of us were really interested in the acting portion. So it was really cool because we got to do an actor-director lab just – with our apprentice class. So we really got to connect and just grow and learn. Um, But it's a really great experience. And if you're looking for a good stepping stone after college, I would recommend it to anybody. Yeah, it's certainly not an apprenticeship for everyone at every time in your life. Like if I had applied right out of college, I would not have been Select. I'm. I'm fairly confident I wouldn't have been selected or have done as well as I did the year after, um, or the year that I did uh, do the apprenticeship. But like, it's it makes you more of who you are as a person. Like, it mm-hmm. concentrates you as an individual. It takes out all the bullshit that you think about yourself and just gets to. It's weird how it happens. It's really, really weird. Well, what what exactly was like the hardest part about it? Because was it just the fact that it's professional now and it's not like if you screw up in college or if you, something goes wrong in college or in school, it's like, well, you know, it's 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 school. So, OK, we're learning. and This is professional and there's money on the line and do not fuck up my play kind of thing. <laughs> you know, is that is that it or was it something else? Or I, I think that's part of it. But I feel like what what I classify as it being hard is like, it's actually physically hard. Like you are, when you're in shop, you're lifting when you're hanging lights, you're going up these high ladders with this heavy, like they are heavy. You're constantly using your body. Like I think all of us lost weight last year. You have minimal money to eat and maybe you don't eat. And then you're working out sweaty. It's just a lot of like physical labor, it sounds like it really tests your love for it. It's like if you're not willing to go through that, then maybe you don't really want to do it as much as you thought you did. And that's why I say it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like um, it, it, it also tests you emotionally. Like I yeah. am compl- kind of on the opposite scale. Like the physical aspect of it, it wasn't – that really didn't wear on me as much as I think the emotional was because you're working with the same people every single day. You're all in the same level, at least your class of apprentices. And um, – you have to problem solve and like deal with each other uh, 60 to 80 hours a week uh, just nonstop and you go th- you go through life changes together like a couple of us had some 
difficult mm-hmm. times like during that year just based off of the year that it was and it it's like you'd survive together and it's you you just like build those bonds by yeah like, like i had, doing your day-to-day and yeah being part of the team right yeah mm-hmm. like i had to confront another apprentice early on and i'm someone who does not really like stand up for themselves but that's something that i had to do and it was hard at the time but like it made I have to ask specifically what that okay. was. You don't have to name names, but no, I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> there was one person who the group perceived as not really pulling that person's weight. And There's one in every group, right? Eh, it's kind of changed from from person to person. I was thinking more like high school when you get put into a group, you know, for science oh, class or whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> I digress. Uh, yeah, and. It was like this uh, big clean where we have to clean the theater, the patron areas before that week of shows. And like the sooner you get it done, this, the bigger of a break you have between before the show for that before that day. And we had to it was like also the first big clean of our apprenticeship. So we had like huge set pieces in the lobby like that we had to move out, like just a massive task on our hands. And one person was like kind of prioritizing their area over the groups and I approached this person by like kind of reframing the perspective of, hey, you're right, your area is very important, but if we don't get this lumber out of the lobby, no patron is going to make it through the lobby to see this beautiful area that you have worked on. So can we take a second, get this stuff out and keep going? And it It was very polite. uh, It was probably not as polite then. Uh. But (laughs) uh, yeah, it was it was that was like one of the key moments that I remember like changing as a person for the better. How many people are are in the apprenticeship like classes or whatever? The goal is seven. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We had an interesting class where uh, for a myriad of reasons we could not keep a class of seven and had to adapt with other people coming in and other people covering in other areas and just a lot of love stuff. Yeah. But we made it through. We so did. Mm-hmm. proud of our class. Yes. Um, so let's talk more broadly about uh, sort of the, the craft of acting. Who, who are your influences? Like, like when you, decided you want to act was there any particular performance in movie tv it doesn't matter what it is uh that you saw and you're like i would like to do that someday and we'll start with tina oh geez you know i can't really peg one thing down as a kid growing up um like i've never seen lion king or any like i'm really not well versed in the disney classics but i was obsessed with like the disney sing-alongs so i would like sing to the tv and this actual sing-along vhs is with like the yes. birds at the beginning yeah. oh yeah i, I, I mean those. probably yeah <laughs> but um like i would do these little shows like dress up and sing and I don't know if maybe that was just how it started early on without me knowing because I'm like a toddler. But I was I had to watch my mini sing alongs like there was I didn't care about the Lion King or anything. Do you remember your favorite song that you had always um, I really loved Pearly Shells. It was like a luau thing. Man, it was it was rocking. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Simpler times. But. I don't know. I, I really like Audrey Hepburn. She's I mean, I I saw Breakfast at Tiffany's like a few years ago and I just love that movie. She's just a stunning person. And um, so do you not really like like watch performances you know, that much or in not, general? Not really. No, I I don't know if I have an inspiration, but I like to like do impressions of people. I have a knack a little bit for that. Who do you do? Um, I think my best is. Emma Stone, by probably. Um, I don't know. I just have a good ear for that. Emma Stone and what? Like just her voice. Can you do it right now? Sure. Um, well, this is part of her acceptance speech. I think from the Golden Globes. Hang on, I gotta fix my posture. <laughs> I just, I just had to start with thing. Thank you to my amazing mom. Thank you, mom, for everything. I moved here 13 years ago this week, and without my mom and my dad and my brother. Who's put up with me his whole life? Thank you, Spence. <laughs> You're the best. 
That's she does have a low husky voice, doesn't she? Yeah, and there's a little lisp in there, but I don't know why. I just I hear a voice and I'm like, oh, this is how you make that noise. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> so I don't know. Aaron, what yes. about you? You have notes, so let's see what I want to see. What's I want to see what you wrote down? Yeah. Uh, so at least as far as like when I was like growing up, I wasn't like I liked movies, but I. My mom tells me that when we went to New York when I was a kid that I saw – that we saw the Rockettes or something and I was on like the edge of my seat the entire time. I – this is like before my memory. She had never seen me so engaged in something in my life. So that's kind of interesting. I guess it's just more like the feeling I got when I was around theater. We also went to see Beauty and the Beast on Broadway when I was like eight or so and that I remember being like one of those like oh my gosh <laughs> moments. Um, but as far as like my list goes, um, Peter Dinklage uh, from Morristown, New Jersey. Uh, I've been watching Game of Thrones for the first time uh, this time around. We're on season six right now. And he is a spectacular, spectacular person. Um, I, I have a really quick story. I have to tell please. it really quick. It won't t- to interject. When uh, I read the Game of Thrones books okay. in like 2006 – and back then, there was no inkling of uh, HBO. Or there, but everybody online was like, they're going to make a movie. They'll make a TV series. Who's going to play who? Peter Dinklage was always the first choice for Tyrion for everyone. So back when IMDb had the boards that you could post on, I went to his page and started a Tyrion <laughs> Lannister thread. It was the first time on there that anybody had mentioned that. And I just left it because I, I was like – so I, th- I said something to the effect of like, uh, you know – a lot of people think he'd be good at this role. What does everybody think? And back then, I remember like, talking to a guy and he was like, yeah, man, wouldn't it be cool if like you say Tyrion Lannister and everyone knows what it means? But um, uh, so I, I leave the thread and like the show comes on and it gets announced that he's been cast as Tyrion and all that. And I go back and the thread is like pages and pages and pages. <laughs> so great. I like to think that he saw that and that's why – that was like his first – like knowledge of the role of Tyrion Lannister. So I, I have you to thank for his. Yeah, I have, his I have to take credit for it. So <laughs> wow. that's out there now. Anyway, continue. No, <laughs> that's a, that's I love that story so much. Um, so I, I'm really trying not to give away spoilers. Um, in it's like season five or something. He is clearly interacting with a green screen and his entire monologue about like, uh, his story about what he, who he's talking to on this green screen is like, how does he do that? Like, you know how in auditions it's really difficult to be in an audition because you don't have a scene partner and you have to do it like basically all yourself for the most part. Uh, there's probably some differing opinions on that, but um, like he is basically not auditioning, but like he's having a scene with a green screen it's some. It, and but you can't tell, right? No, yeah. he's just like so <laughs> brutally, like honest and vulnerable and beautiful. I just can't get enough of that scene. That he is. So, you know, what, have you ever seen the station agent? No, I haven't. Him? That was the role that everybody said would reference when they say he should play Tyrion. Okay. Um, he just plays this this lonely uh guy. He's mm-hmm. I mean, he's a dwarf, but it's just it's just like this dwarf living in. I believe it's it might be New Jersey. Um. <laughs> And uh, he runs the uh, uh, like a like a, a way station or something for mm-hmm. for a train line. Yeah, and it was just about what happens to him. That, if you like him, you should watch that movie. I definitely will. It's a good one. Um, look, you have somebody else. It looks like. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, the person who pay who pay who plays. Excuse me, uh, Cersei Lannister as oh, well. Lena Headey. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I mean, not many people I can imagine like her as a character, but in season six. She, it's like the, or the season finale of season five, she gets some terrible, terrible news and she doesn't, she like has a monologue after that and she doesn't really move at all, which we've learned through acting classes, you as well, that like the more you move, the more that diminishes your power most of the time. And she's giving this like heartfelt, heartbreaking speech and she's just so confident in her abilities as a actor and as herself as a person that she doesn't need anything else besides just what she's saying and who she's saying it to. It's just so beautiful. You must be psyched for the uh, I am. the final season. I'm, I'm like trying to avoid the internet as much as possible so that because I've gone this long without having anything spoiled that mm. I'm because I'm still watching it for the first time that it's like if I can make it through 
to the finale, I'm I'm golden. Right. I, I you know, I went for like four years where I you know, I knew that you know, the, what happens at the end of season one was going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I knew that what was happening at the end of season three and all that. Mm-hmm. And now I have no idea either. So I'm the same way. I'm like, I cannot, if somebody spoils this for me and ruins <laughs> 12, 13 years yes. of anticipation. <laughs> oh man. Um, so uh, do, do either of you have like a favorite performance that you've seen? I guess it's kind of related to what we just, we just went into, but uh, I mean, can you think of like, you know, I'm, I'm, we'll just go with on stage, you know, if, if you've seen, I mean, do you guys watch a lot of theater or, you know, do you? We do when we can. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. hard part with theater, with working in theater is that when you're working in theater, you're working shows, so you can't really go see shows just because of schedule conflicts. Makes mm-hmm. sense. Um, yeah. I did see uh, Silent Sky at Williamston Theater last fall uh, that had, that was directed by Tony Caselli. Um, it had a couple of people who I knew from other work and a couple of people who I'd never seen before. That was a very... Very good production. I thought that they were all like playful with each other, but they were also like hard dedicated to fighting for what they wanted. And that was a really interesting thing to see. Tina? Well, I I went to New York to see To Kill a Mockingbird uh, last month. And uh, I, that it was incredible, but it's the whole thing is incredible when you see. A Broadway performance, just the execution of everything, the way the set moves on and off stage, everything is so seamless and every every one of them was fantastic. And it's funny because I see on the side of the Schubert Theater, it's like, this show will run for years. And I'm like, man, how did those actors feel <laughs> when they read that? They're like, like, is that, oh, good, job security? Or are they like, ugh? Like it, Maybe a little of both. Yeah, it's just amazing yeah. how they can keep it so fresh. And um, I mean, we met Jeff a few times last year at the Rose, and to see him like do his thing on stage and be in the room like with him was so so cool. And mm-hmm. he, he his big thing is listening. And um, they talked about it a little bit at the Rose, like the other actors who were working with him to be like, "Whoa, Jeff Daniels is listening to me!" Like, wow, that's really cool. And you could just see that. His influence. Harry is listening to me. Harry. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, you know what? It, the thing about theater, like you just mentioned, seeing Jeff Daniels do that in front of you, mm-hmm. that's the one thing that you don't get through TV or movies. It's the same thing with live music. There's mm-hmm. something about being in the moment. And you know what's great about it is it doesn't have to be a huge Broadway production, the pinnacle of, of – theater modern theater it can just be like both of you had moments in both i took the fall class with you and then i also had an audition class this past uh winter both of you had you know days i had days where i was off you know and, and i didn't feel on but then you you also had days where it was like oh man you guys nailed it like in just a two-minute monologue or something like aaron mm-hmm. you did one that the one the, the uh the uh, monologue that you were doing throughout the audition class mm-hmm. um you changed it like like two classes before the end or something like that you mm-hmm. did. And, and it was you, the one that you changed it to. You're sitting in a pew or something like that. <laughs> and that you're, was awesome. and you're, you're bitching at your boyfriend <laughs> the, about this, but it was so cool. Cause the first time you did it, it was like, okay, yeah, you know it, but it just didn't connect. And then the, but then you, you went back and the next week you came in and it was like, it was seamless. It mm-hmm. was like, okay, that was the moment, you know, it was, it was perfect. So, and then Tina, you've always, I've seen you like switch it up. Like you did, you know, you did the the one that's coming in, into my head is the the monologue from your good man Charlie Brown. Yeah. Um, and uh, your your comic timing is 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 very uh, <laughs> is very on point. Thank I, you. In fact, the one thing that I I always that always comes into my head is uh, Jeremy Kuchark, who was in here back in February. Uh, I mentioned the dancing part of the uh, actor director lab. Um, towards the end of the class, you were in a group with him, and you guys were dancing, and Jeremy was a dancer as well. And he was doing like all these crazy, like it felt like he was doing flips and things, Yeah, but he was like falling on the floor and rolling around. And then, and then, and then uh, Michelle yells out, okay, follow Tina. And then you you just, for a split second, you had this look on your face, like how the hell am I supposed to follow that? And that's exactly what I thought. Like uh Jeremy comes out with, I felt like it was choreographed. Like it was, Sometimes when you do follow the leader dance, you do the same move for a little bit so everyone can, you know, get that move in. But Jeremy does not care. So he does <laughs> boom, bam, bam. And it's just. It did I, look choreographed. Yeah. I was like, he's he, he's reciting this. this he looks had a like floor some... routine. Like, wow. 
Yeah, but I think even Guy Sandel pointed out like your comic timing because even like just that that little facial expression that you made, it everybody laughed. It, it, yeah, the moment landed. I, I yeah. really didn't know how to follow that one. I thought my thirteen years of dance training just went out the window with that. Like, what do you do after that? I, I don't even remember what you did. So there <laughs> me you go. either, me either, man. Uh, so, um, what are your ideal long term goals as far as uh, acting? goes and how do you plan to achieve them and i'll let you two decide who goes first this time i just want to work um i want to be an actor i want to work for the purple rose theater tipping point theater williamson theater anyone else in the like relative area that uh is like uh like happy to have me as a part of their cast like i it's great to have like dream roles and stuff like that but it's really just i found the companies that practice the exact things that I believe in in my craft and I am so fortunate to have found a company mm-hmm. like that at such a young age. I'm 26. It's like that's like how am I so lucky to have found that so soon and even if I never get to see the light of that stage like on, from an onstage perspective, I still get to be with those people whenever they want me to be and I'm – I couldn't be happier. So you'll stay in Michigan then? You want to stay yes, in Michigan? I do. I have no real desire to move to Chicago. I'm starting to get, quote unquote, known in this area just by like, oh, Erin Finer, I recognize that name. I know she was an apprentice. She might do good here or something like that. So it's like kind of laying that groundwork for the, as James Cool says, the long-term game instead of the short-term game. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tina? I definitely agree. Um, Being able to just be a working actor sounds very appealing. You know, the day jobs after like having this part time understudy thing like that's my other job. And then I go to the coffee shop. It's like, wow, this feels so like because I was doing something so fun yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just to work. um, I don't know about staying in Michigan. I like the thought of being here a few more years to Maybe do shows if I'm lucky and um, just keep gaining experience to take with me to maybe a bigger city. I've thought about moving to Chicago like for, I mean, a couple of years, but it's more I would rather have some credits and move rather than just moving and having nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know a lot of people there, which would be good. Um, of course, there's the basic dreams of having a house and maybe a dog. Uh, pool one day uh things like that but it's uh job security and stuff retirement maybe (laughs) i don't know if that will ever come but um there's the basic things like that that um hopefully one day i'll get to have neither of you mentioned la or new york no 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 i nah (laughs) just too too the odds are too daunting or it's just too much of a cutthroat it's not really what I want. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not a singer. I have no real desire to be a singer unless one of those companies that I listed wants me to be. And L.A., like, I'm also – I don't really enjoy film acting. The Rose is kind of special in that it's as close to film acting as you're going to get but on a stage. And that's just, like, the two most perfect things because the nice thing I like about film acting is it's a little bit more naturalistic than the, mm-hmm. like, proscenium, like, big acting theater. But you get to kind of marry the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next question is kind of tied into what I just asked as far as the the odds. Like how do you – I mean even to make a living as an actor in Michigan, I mean it's – I didn't even know that was possible until I, I took that class last fall. I just assumed that people who did it did a lot of traveling like Vanessa. Vanessa mm-hmm. moves around. Vanessa mm-hmm. Sawson who's yeah. here back in December. Um, so how do you like sort of uh, – what's the best way to put this? Like – how do you keep a cool head about it and how do you go about, um, you know, pushing forward despite knowing how difficult it is to even – I mean what's the percentage? Like what, 5 percent or something of actors make a living solely by acting, right? It depends. You know? Yeah. It's not – I it's hate grim. hearing that. <laughs> ask, ask I say well, the thing is it's like that's – you know, I'm mean, like I want to be a writer yeah. and like the, 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 the percentage of writers who make a living is like 3 percent. So it's even worse. But it's like you, if you really like doing it, you're going to do it regardless of yeah. whether you're getting yeah. paid. So maybe I just answered my own fucking question. (laughs) But let's hear what you guys think. I think um, you might have to repeat the question because I had another thought pop in my head. But tell us the thought. We'll just go. Okay. well, um, when we were taking the tipping point class, James talked about how 
we have to supplement. Like when the work is not coming, how to still be creative. So if you like to say acting is your main thing, but that's not coming, can you write or do poetry or photography, make an indie film, like do all those things that can still have you light your creative flame, but maybe you're not getting compensated for those things. It's just, I I like the idea that we still have all these outlets that can be traveled down, even if we're not making money and hopefully the money will come. But I think, oh, I remember what I was going to say. Um, how do we drown out, um, uh, Whatever it was that you said. <laughs> how do you how do you keep a cool head and yeah. in the face of the Okay, odds? so what I was thinking, I've been going on a few auditions for seasonal stuff so far. And I think one of the biggest things, and I've heard this at The Rose, is like showing up, like making that hour and a half drive just to be seen for three minutes, you know, showing up, being prepared, trying not to let your judge control you and say no you're you're not pretty enough you're not talented all that garbage um but yeah showing up and doing the work and i mean it is what it is james would say if you leave an audition thinking you did the best you could and you don't get cast it's for reasons that you know have nothing to do with you maybe you just aren't what they pictured that's not your fault can't change that really that's what i think aaron yeah uh i mean Tina and I, like, it's good that we're roommates because we do let it get to us sometimes mm-hmm. because you just have to. You can't be so positive all the time. That's coming from me, and I consider myself a pretty positive, realistic person in my years now. Um, but some days it's just, like, one thing after another after another of just, like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. But then I'll, like, rant all my garbage to Tina, and she'll rant her garbage to me. And then we get that all out and then we look at our options of like, well, what are we going to do? Are we going to stop trying? That's the opposite of what we want. Mm -hmm. We want to do this more. So let's get rid of the garbage and leave that in today and go go to tomorrow and try to make it a little less unbearable. And we do that and we have to do that over and over and over and over and over again. But Jenna Fisher wrote uh, wrote in her uh, book, How to Succeed on Acting, a really good book i would recommend to any aspiring actor whether you're going to la or not um that i think she and her friend were just like kind of holding out until every other actor in la quit (laughs) (laughs) and they would have the roles to take for themselves and that's a that's a possibility i mean not everyone sticks with it i mean even from when i started in college to now like not many people who i went to school with are still doing theater definitely as sad as that is it's like i'm i still am and i still want to be doing it so i'm grateful for that yeah there's something i was gonna say on that it's like i see that happen to people i know too and the older you get it's like the more enticing that nine to five day job weekends off paid paid vacation benefit it's like that gets so enticing that Mm -hmm. i can totally see why people are like screw this i'm gonna go do that desk job because Mm -hmm. i'm tired of the rejection i just want that safety. And I mean, it's okay to do theater as a hobby. I'm not discrediting that, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying I can see the other side of why people might give it up. Yeah. I can tell you though, as somebody who, you know, is in sort of the not nine to five specifically for me, and at least for me, it still never goes away. So, you know, they may, you know, certain, I don't want to say give up even because a lot of people continue to pursue it, but it's, you're still thinking like, well, I, 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 maybe I should just save my money and quit and like do it for a year, you know, just to see what happens. Peter Dinklage was 29. I remember he yeah. told the story at that one commencement speech he did mm-hmm. where he, when he was 29, he said, I'm going to take the next job that pays me and I'm not going to do anything else. Yeah. And after that, I'm just going to take it from, and for him, I mean, you know, being a dwarf, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's, that was a huge yeah. step for him. And I mean, look at him now. He's like the most famous, you know, Little person to I'm trying to think of the right fucking politically correct way I think to say that. Little person and dwarf, as far as I know. I can never remember which one is, yeah. is, but anyway, he's never going to hear this. So, um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um, what's a role that you would like to play that you have not played yet? Um, I mean, I love West Side Story, and I think Anita would be so fun. But like, that's just a dream role because I. I don't think she's white, right? She's like um, Hispanic or something. Yeah, uh, Puerto Rican. Puerto right? Rican. Yeah. yeah, no, you're right. Um, but I love I love that show, the music. I've seen it once, I think. Um, 
So I think that's one of my dream roles. She's just so fun and sassy, and I'd love to dance. Is she the uh, the da 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 da? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, Aaron. Uh, it's a little. Oh, it's very vain, but it would be kind of cool to like play a role that someone has written for me. I know that happens in some places, and call me selfish, whatever. I don't care. It's it would be kind of cool. Um, besides that, it's really just like the directors that I want to work with. Like if I could work with. Uh, like Guy Sandville, Michelle Mountain, James Cool, Devin Fott, Megan Westner, Angie Kane Franti, Lauren Knox Mountain, and like Christina Pinciotti by my side, or anyone from my <laughs> apprentice class, or Alex Berg. It's like I would that I would jump on it in a heartbeat. Oh yeah. All right. Well, you guys have certainly come very far. Uh, I mean, you know, even in what you've done so far. I mean, you've your whole lives you've been pursuing this and. It's not over yet, so I mean that's uh, that's got to be encouraging. What what uh, do you have coming up in the future? What's uh, what's going on? Not sure at this time. Um, hopefully, no more after like seasonal auditions. Um, but I am going to be doing a show in Toledo um, this summer. Uh, I didn't yeah, know that. It's, it's <laughs> I just found out like yesterday. Um, it's called The Heiress, and it's with the Lakeside Theater Company. They're just getting started. Um, Mary Boyer is the director. Um, so that's going to be happening. And I th- Back to the hometown. Nice. Yeah, yeah. So mom and dad, I'm going to come back and live with you sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, that's the next thing. Because all my sons, which I'm working on now, goes till June 1st, and then... The heiress is going to be the last weekend of July, first weekend of August, I'm pretty sure. And then I don't know after that. I'm hoping something good will happen at auditions and we shall see, I suppose. You can only look so far out in <laughs> yeah, this particular yeah. field. Aaron? Yeah, um, I'm working the child wrangler job for all my sons through June 1st. Um, the plan is right now to go back to my day jobs full time. After that, unless I have something else come up, I am auditioning. I have my audition set up for the season, at least a couple that have already announced them. But besides that, uh, yeah, just keep on keeping on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, believe it or not, we are actually approaching uh, the uh, time Aww. where we need to get the hell out of here. So uh, thanks for coming in. It's been great talking to you. I said when I took that class – Excuse me. As the class was ending, I was like, "I'm going to try and get every single person in here, yeah, and, and <laughs> do it on the podcast." And now I've knocked out two of you, so <laughs> two of you on one show. Thank uh, you. So, it was yeah. fun. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks awesome. for coming on, and uh, we'll see you out there. And um, we better see you. Good luck yeah, with just everything. Keep doing it. Break right? a leg. Thank yeah. you. You too, <laughs> Alex. All right. Well, uh, I will be back uh, next week. Who the hell am I interviewing? Oh, uh, I am interviewing. A, uh, a fetish photographer and a fetish model. So that will be very fun. Um, I, I, I knew that guy uh, way back in 2008, I want to say. I met him through a buddy of mine doing a Godzilla fan film, and that's what he's been doing lately. His Instagram is very interesting. <laughs> uh, so uh, we'll be talking to him, or them, I should say, and uh, everybody have a great weekend. This has been American Winer on podcastdetroit.com. <laughs>